I want to talk to you tonight about how to recover. Now, uh, that may sound like a, to a, a topic, an interesting topic in a word, faith church. But uh, I felt like the Lord just tell me that even though we walk in realms where we uh, go to churches where they preach the positive word, and uh, even though we're uh, confessing, that uh, sometimes people hide behind the scenes and, and really have not come to a place where they're recovered in their life. And uh, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord just provoked me. I've only, I actually have never even preached this message before. But I believe that God provoked me to preach this message to you tonight. That uh, some people think that, you know, if you come to Jesus, that everything's just going to be a bowl of cherries. And you're going to have no struggles and problems. But Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, uh, in this world, you will have tribulation. Now, that's not one of those things you want to walk around confessing. You know, you don't want to go, get all excited about it. Wow, hallelujah, I would have tribulation. But you do want to get excited about what Jesus said after that. He said, in this world, John 16, 33, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. You will have tribulation. You will have trials. You'll have tests. You'll have uh, temptations. And by the way, none of that stuff comes from God. Not one of it comes from God. But the Bible says, take courage. Take courage or cheer up. Turn to somebody and say, cheer up. Jesus says, cheer up because I have overcome the world. And so you, you need not to be think it's strange, you know, like, what's wrong with me? Everybody else is winning, and I'm not, you know, I'm not. You know, sometimes we go through problems. And uh, sometimes, you know, uh, you go through seasons where you get hit one or two, three times. We're not confessing this, but we're not going to get blown over and question our salvation when these kind of things come in our lives. Are you with me right now? We're going to be strong in the Lord and strong in the Word. And strong in knowing how to recover and how to deal with these issues so they don't get the better of us. And I, I'll tell you something, I, I just feel like it's so important. So when you look over in Mark, Matthew chapter 7, you know, you have that story about uh, the wise men and the foolish men building their house upon the rock. And the other one built their house upon the sand. You know, the house that you have is the house that you're, you're building. And the house that you're building is the house that you have. I'm talking about this. And in this house, there are many rooms, and you got all kinds of different rooms. You got like a, you, got, you know, a family room, and like for your kids, you got a grandchildren room if you're old like me, and uh, you got you got your work room, and you got your, you know, come on, you got what all these your financial room, and you got you got all these rooms. But you're building a house, and uh, the house that you have is the house that you built, and the house that you have is the house that you're building. You're building it, and even unwise people are still, everybody's building a house. And uh, when you see over Matthew, you'll see that the wise man and the foolish man both built something, but one built something that was going to stand, and one built something that was going to fall. Are you with me right now? If you look at that, it says the, the rains and the floods, and then it says the winds. And when you look at uh, uh, the, the, the things that came against uh, uh, the house, uh, you know, it, the same thing came against that one who built wisely, and the same thing came against the one who built uh, uh, foolishly. Are you with me right now? And so just because we live in this world does not mean that we are not subject uh, to, to problems and difficulties. But Jesus said, be a good cheer, 
for I have overcome the world. Take courage because I know how to get you out of the problems. You don't have to live in the problems for the rest of your life. Are you with me right now? But you need to know that those things that come against the house is set against that house for one purpose. It's to blow your house over and tear your house down. So you never look at trials and testings and tribulations and the winds of, uh, of, uh, that will blow against you, whether subtle winds or, 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 or torrential winds. You never look at the winds that are blowing at you as if it's God doing it. Because if you ever embrace the wind, you'll get off course so far, you'll never recover. Are you with me right now? You need to know that the wind and the storms and the trials are there to blow your house over. Are you with me right now? So you got to build wisely. You got to make sure that when the storms do come, you recognize who they came from, why they're there, and what they're there to do. And then just say, hallelujah, Jesus knows a way out. Hallelujah. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, how many know what Psalm 23 says? Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It makes me lie down in green pastures. We could quote the whole thing. You probably could do it all by memory. And how many know, really, uh, that's uh, one tremendously positive. I mean, there's a, there's a scripture to confess. Just start off with the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. They're just can't there for the rest of the year. year. You know, you can go on to the next line next year, you know. But the whole point is the whole, the whole chapter is so positive. Six verses. Six verses. And uh, all of it's, I mean, he anoints my head with oil. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. It's a positive. Come on. How many know it's a positive chapter? Hallelujah. And there's one little negative part in it, like one half of one verse. Talks about the valley of the shadow of death. And I go to some churches, it's like that's their testimony. Well, just going through the valley of the shadow of death. It's like that's their confession. I don't know. That's their possession. That's what they're living in, the valley of the shadow of death. But, you know, you're supposed to go through it. When the storms come, your house is supposed to stand, hallelujah. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, hallelujah, even through the valley of the shadow of death, you can still fear no evil because his rod and his staff, they comfort you, hallelujah. So you're not supposed to live in the valley of the shadow of death. Hello, if you've been living in it for a while, you need to just give your head a shake and say, I got to get out of this. I want to help you recover tonight. Because some of you have been secretly living in things that you haven't yet recovered from. You're saved, you're on your way to heaven, but you haven't recovered, and you're living in a valley of a shadow, and you're living in it, and it's dragging you down, and God wants you to live higher. He wants you to live happier. He wants you to live stronger. He wants you to have the blessings of God in your life. He wants you to enjoy Psalm 23 in its fullness because only one half of one verse is negative, and even that's not so negative because he said you'd go through it, and he'd comfort you in the midst of it. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Praise God. So, uh, you know, interesting. So, you know, if the storms come, know where they came from. If the storms come, uh, know what they're there for. They're there to tear your house down. If the storms come, know that you're supposed to go through them. Hello. Praise the Lord. And so you got to understand. Now, some people, here's, here's what happens in churches, and I know what happens is people come to church, and they lift up their hands, they worship God, 
and a lot and and they got saved but a lot of times some ongoing issues have not been resolved in their life for example somebody died in your life and you just don't ever feel like you could ever have the life that you had before and that's just not god i'll tell you right now that's not god or maybe you've gone through a separation or a divorce and uh, you just don't feel like you could ever have, have the quality of life that you've had before. But I'm here to tell you that God is a God who wants you to recover. Hallelujah. And that you're to be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. And he sure doesn't want you to live in doom and gloom for the rest of your life and just put in time until you die and go to heaven. Your life is supposed to be abundant life. Hallelujah. I had one person come up to me and said, Pastor, I just so I'm so confused. I thought, oh my goodness, that's not the John 10 10 life that, that Christians are supposed to have. Are you with me right now? And so the whole point is, is that I just want to dig a little deeper into your life for a moment and find out because maybe you're here and you've been molested and you just haven't got over it yet. Or maybe you're here and you got raped, or maybe you're here and you had abusive parents, or maybe you're here and your parents were alcoholics, or they, you know, or maybe you're here and you had no parents, or maybe you're here and you only had one parent and you feel like you're not whole because of it. I'm here to tell you there is a God who can heal you and bring you to a place of recovery, hallelujah. Glory to God. He's able, hallelujah. And so uh, I want you to go over to John chapter uh, 10 or 11, and let's just go over there for a moment. And let's look at this portion of Scripture. I've preached so many different messages out of this one chapter. It's amazing how many revelations you can get from one portion of Scripture. But over here in John chapter uh, 11, it says this in verse 1. It says that a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and his sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So we got the story. He's sick. Jesus tarried for a while. You know that. And then in verse 20, it says, Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out and met him. But many were sitting in a house. In, uh, Mary, or sorry, Mary was sitting in the house. Now Mary, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Go down to verse 24. He said, Then Martha said unto him, Lord, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now, this is where a lot of Christians live. They live in, if you had been here in the past, and they live in the future, that one day the resurrection's coming. In other words, and the reason why we do it, not only Christians, but everybody does it. We look back and say, it was so wonderful before so-and-so died. And it's going to be so wonderful when I get to see them again in heaven. Are you with me right now? Maybe you suffered loss financially and you're not where you were financially. And it was so wonderful when you had all that stuff. And it's going to be so wonderful one day when you recover. But the fact is, in the midst of your loss, in the midst of the wind blowing, in the midst of the storms and the trials, uh, you can't just look at yesterday and look at tomorrow. And this is where a lot of Christians have problems because they look backwards and say, how wonderful. I grew up in, you know, and, and for years they used to preach how wonderful it was 40 years ago. And they used to, used to preach how wonderful it's going to be someday. Well, I want to know what Jesus is going to do now. Hallelujah. And I found that there's a lot of Christians come to church and they allow God uh, to, 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 to be around them 
and uh, they allow God to give them maybe some good thoughts about the future and some good memories about the past. But there comes a time when you have to let God get right into the nitty-gritty of your problem and come right into the now. Amen? So, so, so Martha and both Martha and Mary, really, they, they said, wasn't it wonderful in the past? Won't it be wonderful in the future? And you know why we do that? Human nature does that. We do that because we don't want to live in the now, especially if we're hurting, because there's too much pain. And many of us don't want to acknowledge the pain that we're in. And so we put on a plastic smile, we come to church, we raise our hands, we let the word penetrate, but it doesn't penetrate. We don't let it penetrate far enough to get us into the now. It touches our past a little bit and makes a little sense of it, and it touches our future one day. It's going to be good, but we have to allow Jesus to touch our now. So Jesus, in the midst of it, well, they're saying, wasn't it wonderful yesterday? Won't it be wonderful tomorrow? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, you're used to hearing Jesus say, I am. We hear it all the way through the Bible, the New Testament. I am the door. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the living bread. I am, I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You've heard that many times. You know, uh, they tried to uh, throw Jesus off a cliff because he said, I am the living bread. And they didn't care one hoot that he said he was the living bread. They, they were concerned that he said, I am. But the reason why they're concerned that he said, I am, is because they'd heard that phrase before back in Exodus. The first time God ever told anybody his name, by the way. Because up till then, everybody had named God by their own names, basically. But the first time that God ever told anybody his name was when Moses was in the wilderness. Are you with me? And he's back in the wilderness, and he's been there for, you know, 40 years, and, and uh, you know, he sees a burning bush. Well, it's not so big deal having a burning bush. I've seen burning bushes in the desert, too. The deal was, it's not that the burning bush was burning. It was the burning bush wasn't being consumed. And then, to top it off, that burning bush was speaking. And he goes up and he starts hearing and says, I want you to go back to, you know, go back to Egypt and set my people free. And he's like, oh, really? Uh, what, uh, who should I say sent me? And God says, I am that I am has sent you. And when you understand, and so, I, I, you know, when Jesus was saying, I am, in the New Testament, the Pharisees and scribes were infuriated with him because he was declaring that he is the I am of the Old Testament who set the Israelites free from Egyptian bondage. And so I went back to find out what the I, I am me, means. And it simply means this. The definition of I am is this. It is now redeemer, savior, deliverer. Everybody say, now, Redeemer, Savior, Deliverer. Now. See, you got to understand that God is a God of the now. You know, he cannot help you with your past unless you let him into your now. In fact, I'll tell you, he can't help you with your future unless you let him into your now. In fact, the only entry point 
that he has in your life is a place called time and space that he does not live in, but you do. It's called now. And until you let him into your now, in the places you need to recover, he can never fix your past and he can never fix your future regarding that situation unless you let him in now. He said, I am redeemer, savior, deliverer now. Hallelujah. Now, it's hard for us to understand that, but if you go over to Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, you'll understand it because he said, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You know, some of us think that, and of course, for years, you know, if you, if you just think in terms of time, if you just think in terms of time, then you think, well, when he says, I am the alpha, he's saying, well, I had a past. And I'm going to know God did have a past. And when you think of Omega, he's saying, well, I have a future. And I'm going to know God does have a future. Come on, talk to me. You want me to preach, you know, better? I'll just talk to me, hallelujah. You want it to be faster? Talk to me. If I think you're not understanding, we're going to be here all night. Because I don't leave until I get it, the, the assignment done. Okay, so, so how many understand that? But it's not just that God said, when he said in Revelation, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He wasn't just saying, I was, and not just saying, I will be. But he said, no, you got to understand, I am Alpha and Omega all at once. Because I live outside of time. Well, you all live in time. I live in eternity. You say, why is, is that such a big deal? Because you need to know that regarding any situation that you have not yet recovered from, you, the only entry point that Jesus has to heal your life is the now. But take joy in knowing this, that when he comes in now, he also is the omega, and he will be your alpha. Hallelujah. Well, you, 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 you're not understanding me because the whole point is, is the only way he can fix your past is if you let him into your life now. And the only way you can change your future is if you let him into your life now. But when you let him into your life, he says, I am the Alpha and Omega. Boom. I am the Alpha and the Omega right now. Boom. And so what he's saying is, when you ask me to come into your life and touch that area of your life, I'm not just saying touch. A lot of us say, Lord, touch me. Touch my finances. Touch it. But will you let him touch you where you hurt? Will you let him touch you where you need to recover? Because the problem is, is that there is a devil. And the devil tries to sit on the throne of our areas where we've not recovered. Do you know that? He tries to sit there on the throne. In Ezekiel, uh, Isaiah 14. Let me just look at that real quick. Uh, Isaiah 14. You know this. It says, how art thou fallen? And it talks about the, the devil trying to sit in the high places. Can I read it to you? It says, Isaiah, Isaiah 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? You're cut down. You are weakened. You weaken the nations. You have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit on the mount of the congregation, I, on the farthest sides of the earth. I will ascend above the heights. I will be like the most high God. So, when it comes to our hurts and pains, many of us don't want to live in the now. We'd rather live in, wasn't it wonderful before? It happened. Won't it be wonderful when we're through it? 
or when we get to heaven. But the issue is, you need to let Jesus touch your now and kick that old sucker, the devil, off the throne of, of your hurt and your pain. Because he tries to sit there and tell you there's no hope. He tries to sit there and tell you there's no recovery. He tries to sit there and tell you that everything else is going to be all right in your life, but he's still going to control this area of your life. And while he's sitting there in your now telling you there's no future, he's also tormenting your past. And because he sits in your now, he sits in your past, and the past shouts at you and embarrasses you and grieves you, and you think of it and you cringe. Have you ever done that? But the good thing is when you invite, gee, you kick that, you know, you just got to kick that sucker off the throne of your hurt. Devil, you are not sitting on the throne of my hurt. You're not sitting on the throne of my pain. You're not sitting on the throne of my embarrassment. I will not let the enemy rejoice over me. Though I fall, I shall arise. If I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. And devil, sucker, you're getting off the throne of my hurt and my pain. And once and for all, I'm letting Jesus enter into my now. Because when he enters into my now, he'll go back into my past. He'll fix my omega. And at the very same time, he'll start a new alpha. Click, click, click. We did a bunch of golfers here. It's a golfing season. You got to understand this. See, some of you, some of you realize that, that Jesus, the beginning, the end, once he can come and bring a finish to your past, a healing to your omega, he can start a new alpha. Some of you will never walk in the new life and the abundant life victoriously and at the level God wants you to walk into unless you let him go right to the core of your hurt and you can't cover it up with a nice plastic smile on Sunday and you can't cover it up raising your hands and worshiping God. You have to let Jesus touch you where you hurt, let him come into the now, hallelujah. Kick that sucker, the devil, off the throne of that thing. Let Jesus come in, hallelujah, and be the now redeemer, savior, deliverer, hallelujah. And then while he comes in, he will go back into your past, hallelujah. Heal your omega and give you a new alpha, hallelujah. He'll heal your endings and give you a new beginning. Are you getting this? He said, I am. I am now. Redeemer, Savior, Deliverer. Hallelujah. Some of you just got to stop for a second. Sometimes you have to just look yourself in the mirror and say, am I really whole? I'm not trying to dig up things. If you're healed, you're healed. If you're, if you're healed, you're healed. Okay, I get it. And, but you know what? Even a confession of words without an entrance of the Spirit of God in your life to deal with the problem is not going to help you. It might, it, might, it might, you know, tickle the problem a bit, but it's not going to heal. You have to let Jesus enter into your problem. Have you ever just stood in front of the mirror and looked at yourself and said, you got a problem? Anybody ever done that? Oh, not in this church. This is a perfect church. This is the, it's called the perfect church. Has anybody ever done that? Say, well, you got a problem today, man. You got a problem. It's, it's, you you got to just face 
your problems head right on. Because I watch all kinds of Christians just try to live this candy-coated life, and they, and they, do, they do the things, and they have a little bit of success. They have a little bit of measure, but they're not living in the victory that God wants them to live in because there's issues that they have not let Jesus into. You got to let him touch your achy, breaky heart. Because if you want to have the alphas, the new beginnings, and to go to the heights, look at, you know, Romans says, there is the acceptable and there's the good and there's the perfect will of God. And you can ride at whatever level you want at, but if you want to go as high as you can go with God, and if you want the greatest new beginnings in your life, hallelujah, you got to let Jesus in to heal your hurts and your pains. And while Martha and Mary are saying, wasn't it wonderful yesterday? Won't it be wonderful? The hardest thing that you could ever do when you're going through problems is just sit there and live in the now. That's why people turn on the radio. They turn on the, they put headphones in there. They drink booze. They put drugs. Why? Because they don't want to face life as it is. But the great thing about Jesus is he does. He wants, he really, 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 really wants you to bring, in, bring you into a place of wholeness. He really, really, really wants to bring you into a place of soundness. He really, 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 really wants to heal your achy, breaky heart. And he is the now redeemer, savior, hallelujah, deliverer, hallelujah. He's the now God. Everybody say now. now. And so he said, wait a second, Martha and Mary, you know, you're all troubled. But I am. I am now Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. Are you with me still? Okay. Then he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Let's skip over the resurrection for a second. Let's look at the life. I looked that up, and the word life means I am the life that satisfies. Do you know what? Jesus is the only life that satisfies. Are you with me now? Okay. That sounds like a cliche, but... I talked to a drunkard, a drunk, a guy had been delivered from drunking. The only reason why he doesn't drink now is because his liver is shot. And, you know, I found out when I really talked to him that he was mourning that he couldn't drink anymore. Because he said, before my liver was shot, that was the life. That's what he told me. He said, before my liver was shot, that was the life. I said, yeah, your, the alcohol was the life. It's, it's driven your family away from you. It's destroyed your liver. You're all by yourself, and you're mourning because you can't drink. That's the life. It's amazing what people think is the life. I have a friend. Fifteen years ago, he went through a, a divorce. One day, his bags were on the outside of the house, and his wife said, I don't want to live with you anymore. He decided he was going to commit suicide. Ended up in the psychiatric ward for about six months. And I went and talked to him. He's supposed to be a Christian. And I talked to him. He said, well, if I can't hurt, I don't, I don't want to have anything. I said, so your three children, what about them? Well, if I can't have my wife, I just don't want anything. And, 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 and so for 15 years now, he lives as a hermit. He lives as a hermit in a house, in a, an apartment in Hamilton, and has never recovered because this woman, his, his life, his life, and I've looked, I pointed out, I said, oh, yeah, I thought Jesus was your life. Well, he's my savior. But I really loved her so much. 
And she did, I just looked, I said, hey, hey buddy, you ain't gonna ever going to get back, so why don't you just, you know, you know, snap out of it. But he just thought that she's, I've watched people die. Live profitable, successful lives. Then somebody, one of the spouses dies. And you watch the person just shrivel up into a little corner and just say, my life's over now. Can I tell you something? You can't put that on people. You can't, you might love your kids, but you can't make your kids the life that satisfies. You might love your husband, but he is not the life that satisfies. You might, you know, I mean, we, hey, hey, listen, we love, we love dad, we love husband, but he's, he's not, he was not, he was great, wonderful, we love him, we, we'll always love him, praise God, he'll always be the, 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 the founding pastor of this church, he's wonderful, but he wasn't the life that satisfies, and right now he can't give anything, only Jesus can satisfy, Are you, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be, I'm not, I'm not trying to be unsensitive, but I'm just trying, he is the life that satisfies. He's the only life that's satisfied. And you watch people just shrivel up, shrivel up, and you watch them shrivel up and go into a corner and just say, it's over, it's done. They slap the, 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 that's the end of my life because this person left me or that thing happened or, or, or this tragedy happened or I failed or whatever. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus come, come into your now and he can be the life that satisfies, hallelujah. And he can bring satisfaction and tell you right now, he is the only life that satisfies. And if your pornography, and I'm just saying, probably it's probably an issue with some people here in this room, but if your pornography is so great, how come you have to keep doing it all the time? It doesn't satisfy. If the drugs are so great, why do you have to keep taking them all the time? It doesn't satisfy. Are you, Jesus is the only life that can satisfy. Like the old hymn says, hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longing. Through his blood, I now am saved. He's the only life that satisfies. He is the now redeemer, savior, deliverer, the life that satisfies. Hallelujah. And how can you recover from your pain? How can you recover from your hurt? How can you recover from the loss? Number one, you got to bring Jesus into your now, hallelujah, and let him deal with your hurt and touch you right where you're hurt. You have to just face it head on so that he can deal with it, hallelujah. He'll come into your now, he'll heal your omega, and he'll begin a new alpha for you, hallelujah. And you got to realize that he is the only life that satisfies, hallelujah. A hotel card, that's I won't get in tonight. He's the only life. Say, he's the only life that satisfies. Praise God. He's the only life that satisfies. But I love this. I love this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Everybody say the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And I went to look at that up, and I found out that what the word resurrection means is simply this. It is this. I am the life that satisfies. He said, I am the resurrection. I am your stand-up, and I am your recovery. I just get blessed hearing that because Jesus is my stand-up and my recovery. He is my now. 
healer, deliverer, uh, uh, redeemer, hallelujah, savior. He is the life that satisfies. He is my resurrection. He is my stand up and my recovery. Just picture this. You got knocked down and you can't, uh, you know, you can't get up. You're down on the ground and you try with all your energy and you muster all your emotional strength and, and you, you get a, as much of a positive attitude as you can, but you just can't get up. Because sometimes you get knocked down and there is no way to get up outside of Jesus. But thank God Jesus is your stand-up and your recovery. Hallelujah. Say stand up and recover. Stand up and recover. Stand up and recover. He's my now redeemer, savior, deliverer. He's the life that satisfies. He is my stand-up and my recovery. Woo! You're down. You can't get up. You try with all your energy. You try with all your strength. But you let Jesus into your hurt. You let Jesus into your pain. And he comes and he lays down right with you. He gets right down where you were. Hallelujah. Come on. And he gets right down there, and he knows you can't get up, but you let him inside you, hallelujah, and he stands up. And because he stands up, you stand up, hallelujah. He's my stand-up, and he's my recovery, hallelujah. Some of you ought to get that out of your mouth right now. He's my stand-up, and he's my recovery. He's my stand-up, and my recovery. He's my stand-up. Oh, I'm just getting blessed saying it. Woo! Hallelujah. Every time I fall, he's my stand-up and my recovery. Every time I slip, he's my stand-up and my recovery. Hallelujah. Every time the wind starts to shake on my house, he's my stand-up and my recovery. Hallelujah. He is my stand-up and my recovery. He is the now, hallelujah, redeemer, savior, hallelujah, deliverer, hallelujah. He is the life that satisfies. He's my stand-up and he's my recovery, hallelujah. And you don't have to stay down anymore. Now, some of y'all look nice, but there's areas where you have not yet stood up. And Jesus says, I want to come now and I want to be your stand-up. And I want to be a recovery. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up and recover. And then I went over the word recovery, and I looked that up. And uh, when I looked up the word recovery, there's two definitions. The first one is to seize upon. To seize upon. And I looked at that, and I thought, well, wait a second. And I went over to the book of Samuel. Flip over with me to the book of Samuel for a moment. Hallelujah. Anybody get anything out of this? Okay, over at Samuel, it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 29, a man named David. Anybody heard of David before? It says, and Achish called David and said to him, surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright in your going out. You're coming in with me in this army, in, you're in good sight for this day. I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. This is 1 Samuel 29 verse 6. So Achish, he's, David's over in the land of the enemy. They're going to war. And this king says, you have been good. You've been upright. I haven't seen any evil in you. And yet when they come back three days later in chapter uh, 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 30, 
verse 1, the Bible says, and they came back. Let me read it to you. Verse 30 says, now it happened when David and his men came back to Ziglag. On the uh, third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south of Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire and taken captive the woman and those who were there from small and great. And they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away, and they went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there, there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and all the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until there was no more power to weep. Now, I've cried a lot at times in my life through difficult situations, but I've never been so emotionally drained that I had no more tears. But can you imagine how catastrophic that it was? 600 families. They come back over there. They're good people now. Akish had just declared, David, you're a good man. There's been no unrighteousness. And here there's, there's a setback. Here there's, there's a, you know, some winds blowing against them. Here the, the, the enemy is trying to get them. And so they come back over the hill. They see the city burn with fire. They come back and all their goods are gone. Their wives are gone. Their children are gone. And come on, this is, I mean, this is really more catastrophic than what happened in Pakistan. Because, because you know, uh, this, is, this is the whole uh, 600 families have gone. You know, when the earthquakes, if you see an earthquake, you know, one house will be standing, the next one will be gone. Some people will be dead there, and other people will be alive. But, but overall, but everybody was just disappeared. They'd all been taken. And the Bible says the man sat down and wept until there were no more tears to weep. Now, and then it says this, that David's day went from bad to worse. Because while he was sitting down there weeping, and David was weeping with them, all of a sudden the man, in their grief, uh, decided that they were going to pick up stones, and they were going to stone David. And I thought, what kind of grief would make people so angry? And I looked up that word grief, and I found out that it, was, it had to do with a root uh, it had to do with uh, bitterness. Everybody say bitterness. And here's where I want to just, uh, just camp for a couple of minutes because this is important. That these people had taken on something more than just a normal grief. They had got bitter in their spirit. Now listen to me carefully. There's only two emotions in the Bible that the Bible says have roots. There's a lot of bad emotions in the Bible. But love of money is the root of all evil. And then the Bible says a spirit of of, of, uh, bitterness will spring up and defile many. And so have you ever seen a willow tree or an oak tree or a a mulberry tree? Some of these have incredible root system. And these roots will go, uh, they'll go under, you know, they'll go, I've actually seen in, in my hometown, I've actually seen the roots smash right through the basement wall, the cinder blocks, go right through the, the wall of the cinder blocks, come up at the front yard, and then go under the sidewalk and buckle the sidewalk so that root system could get to the sewer. And the Bible says a root of bitterness will spring up and defile many. And when you look at, at the, the, the word bitterness, you understand that it, it actually gives the uh, connotation of emotional hostility. What to say emotional hostility? Now, just say today, you know, just, just ask the Lord right now whether you fit into this category. If you do, you can be healed. You don't have to raise your hand. 
but you can be healed of this. Because emotional hostility uh, comes out because of bitterness. And I found out there's a lot of angry Christians. They're angry all the time. They're mad and angry, and it's because they've never let Jesus come into their now and heal them and deal with their omegas so that he he could give them a new alpha. And they're carrying around this stuff, and they're mad at some old pastor, and they're mad at some old church, and they're mad, and they're mad, and they're angry, and they're angry, and they're mad, and they don't know why they're angry, and they don't know why they're mad. But I'll just tell you something, you can't live your life like that. And these people were so angry, they picked up stones, and they wanted to stone David. Now, you wouldn't walk in there and say, oh, guys, you shouldn't act like this, because guess what? They'd say, after we stone David, we're going to stone you too. And maybe you've got a right to have some anger in your life. And maybe you, you look back and you feel like that thing shouldn't have happened and that, that person shouldn't have done that to me. And that pastor shouldn't have said that and blah, blah, blah. And everybody has a story. And I'm not trying to minimize your stories, but I'm here to tell you, you need to let Jesus come into your now so they can heal your omega and he can give you a new alpha. Otherwise, that root of bitterness is going to spring up and defile every relationship you have. I'm 54 years old, 33 years in the ministry, and I've been around long enough to watch people with their anger get tossed out on the street and end up living all by themselves because nobody wants to live with them anymore. They love you, but they're going to love you from a distance. They love you, but they're sick of being the object of your hostility. Are you with me right now? I'm just trying to help somebody. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just calling it the way it is. Because, because this root will just keep on eating away. It'll get right into your, 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 it will be in your relationship with your employer, or relationship with your pastor, relationship with people you work with, relationship with your family, and all that stuff. I've watched it in churches. A root of bitterness defiles many. And it'll just, it just springs up. And you keep all, all just gets all over your life and just messes everything up. And if you ever find yourself just angry all the time, you need to just stop and let Jesus come into your now. Look in the mirror and just say, buddy, you got a problem, but Jesus is your solution. Hallelujah. Jesus, come into my hurt right now. Well, I want to remember the, the hours before I got it. And I want to remember the hours after I get angry. But I, hey, buddy, you're always angry. Now, some of you, I'm reading your mail, and I'm not trying to, you know, husbands don't look at your wives, and wives don't look at your husbands. But the, the fact is, I'm just trying to help you. I know this is not shouting right now, but it's truth. It's truth right now. Can I ask you something right now? What benefit would they have if they had a, would they have got their families back if they had a stone David? And all the yelling and screaming, all the bitterness ain't going to change anything in the past, but Jesus can. I'm trying to help somebody. I don't know how deep this is going, but I'm trying to help somebody. I'm not here just to blow in the wind. So you say, what do I do, preacher? Well, you can be like those 600 men and be in the root of bitterness, and you can pick up rocks. 
And you can be angry, and you can be mad, or you can do what David did. The Bible says David took courage. He took courage. He took courage. He took courage. The Bible says in this world you'll have tribulations, you'll have trials, you'll have testings, you'll have temptations, but take courage. Don't let those things overcome you. Don't let the winds blow your house down. Don't let the storms of life beat your house down. Take courage. Don't let the things that have gone in your life give you a spirit of bitterness, a root of bitterness that defiles you and your relationships and everything around you and leaves you empty and lonely at the end of your life. Let Jesus deal with your situations. And so the Bible says, well, everybody else was in bitterness and, and strife and grief. David, he looked up and he took courage. He took courage. He decided that I'm going to have a resurrection. He decided I'm going to have a resurrection. Everybody might be going down, but I'm going up. Everybody might be going bankrupt, but I'm going to prosper. Hallelujah. Everybody might be dying, but I'm going to live a long life. Hallelujah. Everybody might be miserable and sad, but I'm going to have the joy of the Lord. You're still with me. So in the midst of it, and I'll tell you something, it took a lot, a lot of courage. But David took courage. And what does the word resurrection mean? It means to seize upon. To see, Jesus is the I am, redeemer, savior, deliverer, the life that satisfies. He's my stand up and he's my recovery. What does it mean to recover? It means to seize upon, to seize upon. You just grab a hold of him. Some of you just got to just, with your situation, some of the problems, some of the deep core issues that you have in your life that you've never really let Jesus deal with, you ought to just grab a hold of his hand and just say, I'm holding on and I'm never letting go. Hallelujah. I'm going to hold to his hand, to his unchanging hand. I'm going to hold to his hand, to his unchanging hand. I'm going to build my hopes on things eternal. Can he sing? I'm going to hold to his unchanging hand. I'm going to hold to his hand, to his unchanging hand. Come on, sing with me. Hold to his hand, his unchanging hand. I'm going to build. My hopes on things eternal. I'm going to hold to his unchanging hand. I'm going to hold to his hand, to his unchanging hand. I'm going to hold to his hand, to his unchanging hand. I'm going to build my hopes on things eternal. I'm going to hold. To his unchanging hand. Why you sing with me one more time? I'm gonna hold to his hand. To his unchanging hand. I'm gonna hold to his hand. To his unchanging hand. I'm gonna build my hopes on things eternal. I'm gonna hold to his unchanging hand. Lift up your hands. 
I'm going to hold to his hand, to his unchanging hand. I'm going to hold to his hand, to his unchanging hand. I'm going to build my hopes on things eternal. I'm going to hold to his unchanging hand. One more time. I'm going to hold to his hand. To his unchanging hand, I'm going to hold to his hand. To his unchanging hand, I'm going to build my hopes on things eternal. I'm going to hold to his unchanging hand. You got to seize upon you got to decide, I'm going to hold on to him, and I'm never going to let go because he's the life that satisfies. He is my now redeemer, deliverer, hallelujah, savior. Come on now. Are you with me right now? you got to hang on to him, my friend, when all around is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock, I'll stand. I'm going to hold to his hand, hallelujah. I'm going to seize upon him. Everybody around's crying. Everybody around's in the gall of bitterness. Everyone around has a root of bitterness. They're sick. They're, 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 they're going to be defiled. They're going to try to defile me. But I'm going to hold to your hand, Lord God. I am going to take courage. My strength is in you. When everywhere I look, on the right-hand side and on the left-hand side and in front of me and behind me is problems, I'm going to lift up my head to you, Lord God. You are my hope. You are my stand up. You are my recovery. Hallelujah. And I'm going to hold to your hand. I said, I'm going to hold to your hand. Come on, somebody just reach out your hand. I'm going to hold to 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 your hand. To your unchanging hand. I'm going to hold to your hand. To your unchanging hand. I'm going to build my hopes on things eternal. I'm going to hold to your unchanging hand. Come on, just reach out. Just grab all of them right now. You are the life that satisfies. You are my now God. You are Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. You are my stand-up and my recovery, and I am going to seize upon you. I'm going to grab a hold of you. I am not going under for going over. Hallelujah. I am not going to let the enemy rule over me in that area anymore. I am coming through to total victory, to total deliverance, and to total recovery. I'm not letting the devil triumph in any area of my life. I will recover. You are my stand up. You are my recovery. I'm going to hang on to you. Woo! 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 You're my stand up and you're my recovery. First definition of resurrection means to seize upon. The second definition means are you ready for this? To choose to recover. choose to recover. It always comes to that, doesn't it? When it comes down to how far you're going to go with the Lord, how high you're going to go with the Lord, how free you're going to be with the Lord, how blessed you're going to be with the Lord, it always comes down to a decision. Well, everybody else is choosing to cry and sit in there, but you don't know, brother, what I got this. No, I, 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 it's not like I don't care, but I just don't want to change the word for you. 
I'm not writing a new Bible with your name on it as the author. I'm not, look, folks, I go to churches all over. I see hurts and pains. People tell me stories. I can't even fathom what they've gone through. I can't even imagine the emotional anguish, the torment that they've gone through. And maybe you're here right now and you've covered it up and you still yet have not been restored. You don't, you know, you've been but you just haven't let him really get in there to heal your omega so that he can start a new alpha. And until you let him heal your omega, you ain't starting a new alpha. You'll start in other areas, but you'll always be left behind and it'll always be a hindrance. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to live in the valley of the shadow of death. So you can sit here and you can cry and you can moan and you can leave and you can say, that's all right for the preacher. It's all right for him. It works for him. And, you know, but he doesn't know what I'm going through. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. But I'm going to hold to his hand. I'm going to choose to recover. Hallelujah. I'm going to choose to recover. Hallelujah. I'm going to say Jesus is my stand up and my recovery. Hallelujah. He's my stand up and my recovery. He is the life that satisfies. Hallelujah. I'm going to choose to recover. Well, brother, you don't know what I'm going through. You ever, you ever, you ever hear uh, Paul's testimony in 1 Corinthians? He says, I was whipped five times. You know, like, just anybody see how Jesus was whipped? Paul was whipped five times like Jesus was whipped. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked three times. And then when he was writing that, a fourth time, most likely. He had perils in the city and perils in, in the wilderness and perils in countrymen and problems from within and without. He had all kinds of problems. And never once did he ever say, why me? Why is this happening? I'm a good person. Oh, God. Why didn't you put this on Peter? He's the one who denied you three times. Give him the key to the kingdom and send me to Rome. How's that fair? Why me? No, Paul never said, why me? You know what he said? He said, I forget those things that are beyond me, and I'm going to press to the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going forward, not backwards. Hallelujah. I'm going upwards, not downwards. Hallelujah. And I'm not letting one, one thing in the past hold me back from embracing my future. Hallelujah. Because Jesus is my resurrection and my life. He is my stand-up. He is my recovery. He is the life that satisfies. He is a now Jesus, hallelujah. And nothing I've gone through and nothing I've been through is going to keep me from hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant, hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. I just can't help but feel there's some people here say, Brother Mark, I got a couple of things to cover. And I want you to just, and I and I, you know, I'm trying to dig up stuff that you've been healed from. You're healed from it. You're healed from it. I can understand that. I'm not doing this. You know, it's, it's a problem with this preaching. Sometimes you stir up the wrong people. The ones that have already been healed, they're, they're not. But there's some people, you're just carrying these things. You're still bound by this thing. You're still bound by that thing, and nobody knows about it 
and you're tormented by it. And yet Jesus is your stand-up. And you can say, wasn't it wonderful when? And you can say, won't it be wonderful then? But you can invite Jesus into your now. And I just can't help but feel in this sanctuary right now. I'm done. I just can't help but feel there's some people in the sanctuary that say, Brother Mark, I really need to touch me. I need Jesus to touch me. And I want everybody to stand up in the sanctuary right now. Hallelujah. And I just said there has to be a place where we just press in and press in and go past, go past the surface and go past the form and go past the formula and go past the, you know, the, 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 the ritual that we have and press in until we touch Jesus and Jesus touches us until we know that we're never going to be bothered by that thing anymore. I'll just tell you right now, I believe before God, there's some people here say, Brother Mark, I don't know what it is. Maybe you're still grieving over somebody who died 15 years ago and you think you can't have a new life. Listen, that person would not want you living a sad, droll, beat up, angry life until you see them in heaven. They want you to enjoy life. They're enjoying life. They ain't coming back to see you. So stop it. Yeah, we love people. We love people who have died. Some of you have been divorced and you got this idea in your brain that you cannot have, you may not get her back or him back because he's just too far gone and you may not recover that way, but you can still recover and you can come into the life that satisfies. Are you with me right now? There's a couple people here. You've had an event, a catastrophic event in your life that has defined you for the last couple decades. And you've always looked back before that date and said, wasn't it wonderful then? But I'm here to tell you right now that Jesus, if you'll let him into your now, right now, he'll go all the way back into your omega. God is a timeless God. Look at me right now. Let me just tell you the story. I was in, I was in Bangkok. This tells you about the timelessness of God. I met my wife in Bangkok. I was in Pakistan. My wife flew and met me in Bangkok. She'd come from Toronto. She was really tired. She had glasses on. And so she, uh, at some point, she took off her glasses. We got to the hotel. We had, we're going to fly out of Bangkok on the another airport on the other side of town, city. And so we took a taxi from the one airport to the other airport, and we got a hotel right by the airport. Sleep overnight. We're going to fly out the next day. Got, a, got the hotel room, got in the room, and there was water, but there was no hot water in the room. So I called down, and I had them change us to a room that had hot water. My wife had been flying for a long time, so she fell asleep on the bed. And after about three hours, I woke her up and I said, Honey, uh, what are you going to do? Are we going to go to sleep all night? Because then I'll, 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 I'll go to bed now too. But if I go to sleep right now, I'm going to sleep for eight or ten hours. So I said, Are we going to get up? She said, No, I'll get up. So she gets up, has a shower, and she gets all dressed, and she starts looking for her glasses. 
And we opened every suitcase. She did, took everything out. Her big suitcase, her carry-on bag, her purse, her briefcase, everything. She went through it. I pulled everything out. We went down and had a coffee, came back up, and we did the same thing again. Now, it's not that we can't afford a new pair of glasses. It's that she doesn't, we don't like losing. So we looked again. We opened up everything again, took everything out, both of us together now. So that's the third time we searched. Went out for dinner, and I hate losing things. Almost, I, I tell you, it's a very, I've been robbed five times. I've always got back my money plus. I, my computer was stolen. The guy from the hotel bought me a brand new computer and a brand new suitcase. All I lost was my pictures. But what I'm saying is we don't like losing things. And so we went to, out for dinner. I went, slept for a while. We went to sleep. I woke up. And in the middle of the night, I just said, God, I don't like the fact that we lost a pair of glasses. I said, could you just show me where they are? Now, you can take this for what it is. You can either believe this or not. I really don't care. But I fell asleep for about 45 minutes. And I had a dream. And in my dream, I was back at the airport. And I was standing there, and the taxi that picked us up, he pulled in, and I recognized him. So I went over to the taxi driver and said, Sir, you drove us to the hotel yesterday. Can I just look in the car? And in my dream, I went down, and I opened the back door, and there are the glasses on the, the floor of the car. <laughs> so in my mind, in my dream, I picked them up and says, I know where I'm going to put them. I'm going to put them right on top of Sharon's clothes in her big suitcase. A few minutes later, we woke up. I said, Sharon, just humor me right now. I said, go open your big suitcase and see whether there's any glasses there. She opened up the case, and her glasses were sitting right on top. Now, believe it or not, I don't know. I, I was almost skeptical too. But it happened. And it tells me something that somehow in that dream, something stepped out of time into eternity to bring about a desired result. Are you with me right now? I get, I get goosebumps when I tell that. I've never told that story in public. I've told it to a couple of people. And I don't want you to get all squirrely thinking that you can. But you know what? That gives me hope that I could maybe sometime go and preach somewhere and sleep in my own bed. It happened in the Bible. But unless you let Jesus into your now, whatever that little now is, glasses, habits, vices, chains, perversion, addictions, secret sins, Jesus loves you, you're on your way to heaven, but you're just not free like you want to be. There's no condemnation here today. I only came out of love. I preached a very simple message. But I'm just telling you right now, I believe tonight that you can recover. And I want you to just do something right now. 
If you want recovery in an area of your life, it's none of anybody's business why you're coming here. Let's just put that right straight right now. It's none of anybody's business. But if you want recovery, I want you to slip out of your chair and just come and stand right down here right now. Come on. Come on down right now. Right now. Things in your life, something in your life, I want recovery. I want recovery over memories. I want recovery over habits. I want recovery over circumstances. I want recovery over loss. I want to recover. I don't want to be living in the sadness. I don't want to be living in the weakness. I don't want to be living, living in the hurt. I don't want to be living in the pain. I don't want to be, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I got good news for you. Jesus said in this world, you'll have trials, tribulations, and temptations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I know how to get you out of it. He knows how to get you out of it. What are the four steps to recovery? Number one, invite Jesus into your now. Why? I'm not talking about your yesterday. I'm not talking about your tomorrow. You got to let him touch you right now where you hurt and be honest. You don't have to say it out loud, but you have to be honest with yourself. You have to say, Jesus, right, right there. All right, there is where I'm hurting right now and I've never recovered from it even though I am saved even though I love Jesus even though I'm in this for life I'm a lifer even though I am in it all I still have uh, this 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 gnawing thing and I have not yet recovered and I'm not going to allow a root of bitterness to spring up and defile the rest of my life because I want to live a victorious life I want to live a vibrant life I want to live a life that profits other people I want to live a life that glorifies you. I want to live a life that helps my church to move forward. I want to live a life that touches the city. And so I'm not living with this thing anymore. And you invite Jesus into your now. Let him touch you right now. Right now where it hurts. Be honest with yourself. Honest with God. You don't have to say it to anybody. It's not anybody's business, but just be honest with yourself and be honest with God and let Him touch you right where it hurts. That achy, breaky heart, that gnawing addiction, that compulsive habit that you have when nobody's watching, looking. There's no condemnation. Dear God, please understand. No condemnation. I just got some good news for you. He's a now, Jesus. He's your recovery. He's your salvation. He's your redeemer. He is the life that satisfies. So let him come right now. The alpha, the omega. The one who's the alpha, the omega all at once. Let him come right now. Uh, 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 uh. Now. Let him come and enter into that situation right now. And embrace him as the life that satisfies. And let him go back and heal your omega. Kick the devil off the throne. Devil, you're not sitting on the throne. Right now, you're not going to sit on that throne anymore. You're not going to be in charge of that area of my life anymore. You're not going to own that room in my house anymore. 
You do not have permission to own that closet in my house anymore. You do not have permission. You don't have a, you do not have permission to own that closet anymore. I'm kicking you off the throne of my life right now. And I'm putting Jesus there. Jesus, I give you every nook, every cranny. Every secret hiding place I give you. Come into my now. Everybody say, come into my now. You are the life that satisfies. Heal my omega. Begin a new alpha. Let this day right now, this very moment, be a moment where eternity enters into my life. You go back and fix the past. Go back and heal the past. And at the same time, create new doors and open doors and open places for tomorrow for me to walk in. You are right now my alpha, my omega. I invite you in now. This is the entry point. I'm not living with those hang-ups. I'm not living with those habits. I'm not living with those vices. I'm not living with bitterness and anger anymore. You are my stand-up, and you are my recovery. Hallelujah. I invite you into my life. I recognize you as the only life that satisfies. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus, I'm going to cleave to your hand. Come on, just lift up your hand right now. I'm going to, I'm going to hold to your hand, Lord. I'm cleaving to your hand. Come on, just make a confession right now. I'm holding to your hand. 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 You are my stand-up. You are my recovery. I'm cleaving to you. Hallelujah. I'm cleaving to you. You are my stand-up. You are my recovery. Because right now you recognize. Look at me for a second. You recognize right now you're not the only one who's had the problem you have, that's been healed of it and recovered. You're not the only one who's gone through grief and lost somebody who has recovered from it. You're not the only one who's gone through divorce and has recovered from it. You're not the only one who's been bound by addictions and has recovered from it. Hallelujah. There's thousands, tens of thousands, millions of believers all around the world that have let Jesus come into their now. Heal their omega and give them a new alpha. Hallelujah. What is the prayer of one who wants to recover? What is the prayer of one who takes courage? Well, everybody's picking up rocks. David's saying, tell me, God, shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? But I'll tell you something, there's a God who does exceedingly abundantly. Well, David's just asking, can I pursue? Can I overtake? God says, you can pursue, you can overtake, but without a doubt, you can recover all. Hallelujah. Somebody say recover all. Recover all. Hallelujah. Somebody took your innocence. But you can recover it, hallelujah. Somebody took your dignity, but you can recover from it, hallelujah. Somebody brutally wounded you, spoke 
nasty words over you until you believed it. Hallelujah. But I'm here to tell you, you can recover from it. Hallelujah. Will you let Jesus into your now? He'll put an end to all those words. Bitter words, angry words, things that have been spoken over you. People have said you're nobody, you're nothing, you're not going to achieve, you're not going to amount to anything, you'll never make it. You'll never win, you'll never be victorious, you'll always be you. God says, wait a second, I've come into your now. I come into your now, hallelujah. I'm coming into your now. You invited me into your now. I'm a now God. I am now redeemer, healer, deliverer, savior. I am the life that satisfies. I'll overturn those words. I'll overturn those words until those words spoken of you mean nothing, 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 nothing. I'll heal you of that event that took place in your life until event is just a memory, but you won't hurt and you won't be angry and you won't pain. I've, I've talked to pastors, Sister Browning. I've talked to pastors who sit down with me. You know, they're nice, put on a nice front. They sit down with me and they just start spewing. Some pastors have, not your friends, but some pastors have a root of bitterness in their heart. Fifteen years ago, somebody in the church did something wrong and it's still angry and mad at them. See them on the street, don't even want to talk to them. The pastor. I sit down and say, oh, you know, let me tell you a few stories about when I was pastoring. It happened that some of those people that brutally wounded me when I was pastoring. My, one of my daughters married into that family. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I go to the wedding. Half the wedding party is all those people that brutally wounded me. I sat down. I had nothing in my heart. Not one thing in my heart towards him. Not one thing in my heart. Not one thing in my heart towards him. And they were... The one she married was relatives to the ones that, you know, their cousins and whatever. But they were all there at the wedding. I can say I never had one knot in my stomach all through the wedding. Not one knot in my stomach all the way through the reception. Not one knot. Because I let Jesus come. He defines who I am. Come on now. He defines where I'm going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Let's just make a confession. Jesus, you are the great I am. You are the now God. You are my redeemer. You're my savior. You're my deliverer. You are the life, the only life that satisfies. more than I ever thought I could accomplish because if you are for me who in this world who in this world who in this world can be against me now give the Lord 
stand up. Stand up and recover. Turn to somebody and say, stand up and recover. Stand up and recover. Listen to me. Look at me. Look at me right now. It starts right now. Just stay tuned just for a second, and I'll let you go. It starts right now. You got to let them deal to the core. Stand up in recovery. There's no reason for you to be bound in any area of your life. You don't have to carry it anymore. You don't have to remember how good it was before that happened. How nice it's going to be when you get to heaven. You don't have to deal with it. You can get healed right now and not have to deal with it. In Jesus' name, let me pray for you right now. Father, go into every hurt, every pain, every closet, every nook, every cranny, every anguish, every area, Lord God, that these people have come forward, admitted that they need to recover from. Lord, would you heal them, restore them, revitalize them, encourage them, bind up their wounds, Lord God, bring them to a place just as if it never happened, Lord God. Lord God, bring them to a place where they're absolutely, totally for sure, not just with a plastic smile on their face, not just with a confession, but they're actually living in the reality of the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And they are enjoying the life that satisfies. I pray in Jesus' name. And I bind every devil that would try to steal away this word as they walk out of this house. And think that it's not real. You're not limited by your past. You're not limited by your past. It's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. 